Welcome to the Spiritual Boss Babe Podcast. If you're a woman who is ready to step into your power and manifest a life and business that sets your soul on fire, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Stephanie Bellinger, and I'm a mindset and success coach for spiritual entrepreneurs. I am obsessed with helping my fellow soul sisters shine their light and live out their purpose so they can experience more magic in everyday life. We all have a special purpose here and we're meant to share our message and gifts with the world. You deserve to be fully supported emotionally, spiritually, and financially from doing your soul's work. Together, we can make a massive impact in the world and it's time. So let's do this. In today's episode, I have the amazing Deb Yeager here with me. Not only is Deb one of my favorite soul sisters, but she is also such an amazing coach. Deb is a master coach and certified trainer of neuro-linguistic programming, which is also known as NLP, also timeline therapy and hypnosis. And she's a keynote speaker and number one best-selling author. Deb is dedicated to empowering her students to realize the lives of their dreams via her her in-demand coaching business called Jaeger Training. So she trains, her and her husband train people like to be certified as practitioners and master practitioners and even trainers of NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, and more. So in this episode, Deb shares so many things about how we can truly create our reality through our subconscious superpowers. We also dive into values levels and quantum healing and so much magic. I know that you are going to be like, whoa. So make sure that you take notes as long as you're not driving and check out the show notes as well so that you know where you can connect with Deb, see about all of the programs and trainings and certifications that she's offering. And just check check out her group. She has an awesome free group as well where her and her husband help coaches and service-based entrepreneurs master their sales through NLP and lots more. So make sure that you check that out. And without further ado, let's welcome Deb onto the show. Hello, Deb. Welcome to the show. I'm so freaking excited to have you here. I I can, I already know that we're going to dive into so many things and the listeners are going to get a lot of golden nuggets out of this one. I am so excited to be here with you. Um, I'm just, I'm ready to do it. So let's do it. Yay. Let's dive in. <laughs> Sweet. So for those listening, Deb is first off an amazing friend of mine and also an amazing coach, an amazing NLP master ninja. (laughs) (laughs) And I just went to one of her events this past weekend in Austin, Texas um, to apply NLP to business. So I got to see Deb in action in her zone of genius with her husband, Brandon, and it was freaking amazing and so inspiring. And I'm excited to dive into a bit more of your... I know you have a really powerful story, Deb, um, in this episode. So if we can open it up there, I would love to... I already know some of your story, but I love would love for you to share like what led you on the path with NLP and how much it changed your life like, so quickly and so rapidly. So Absolutely. Like, yeah. I. So for those of you that do not know anything about me. Um, I started my journey of NLP back in 2011, but let's rewind back um, before that because I believe that all of this stuff 
was the cause and effect that got me to where I was. And, um, you know, growing up, I got labeled as a disenfranchised learner very early on. And I, I used it as a, a shield to victimize myself unconsciously. And it created a lot of havoc in my life. And I started hanging out with the wrong crowd and um, got into drugs at a very young age and then attracted a really abusive relationship. Then cause and effect into a rape that happened that very quickly spun me down into a spiral where I started dancing at 17 years old um, and very shortly after got into escorting. And there was always this part of me that really wanted to change my life, but I didn't believe that I was good enough or smart enough or worthy enough to do anything else. And so I was just in this feedback loop of a reality of everything that I didn't want and I didn't know how to get out of it until I hit rock bottom for the 50th time. And I remember my soul coming in and saying, girl, if you don't change something, you're going to be in jail or dead. And that's when it shook me so hard. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to find some something that can pull me out of this because, you know, everyone around me, there was people overdosing. Um, and the way that I left relationships is my, my boyfriend would go to prison. So that like sets the scenario very well up for you if you um, didn't have an idea. So I started searching. And at the time, again, my belief systems didn't create like I didn't believe that there was much more for me. And so I just kind of took action and started searching for something. I didn't know what it was. And I happened to connect with a woman um, that had taken NLP and put it into her hot Pilates model. And um, I took one of her teacher trainings because I was thinking about like, maybe I could start a a career in fitness, you know, because I thought, well, at least I wouldn't have to be really, I know that sounds really bad, really intelligent, but I wouldn't have to read or anything like that because that was one of my things that I didn't, I thought I was illiterate and I didn't think that I could read or write. Um, And so I took one of her classes and very quickly, she steered me in the direction of NLP and I took my first training and didn't even know what the hell I was getting into. I was using three days through the training, just, you know, numbing my existence. And um, after the breakthrough in that training, like it was, it was a game changer. I didn't realize it was nothing short of a miracle. Wow. is what I say. It, it like the fact that my addiction, the voice in my head that was constantly saying that you're not good enough. The reason why I felt like I had this, this void that I can never fill inside of me, it stopped. And for once I felt whole. And so like after that, I'm like, I'm in 100%, but I still had to go through the process of letting go and releasing and changing my environment because I knew I was a different person. And that for the very first time I saw what was possible, but my old environment still reflected um, my old existence. And so it took me a whole year to then um, meet my husband in the next up-level training. And that's really, truly where I started reprogramming and repatterning because I got to get out of my environment. Wow. So before that, you, you did the yoga thing. That's when you were introduced to NLP. Yes. And then you took practitioner training and that's when you realized, oh, wow, I have to change my environment and like really embody this new me. Yeah. I mean, cause I was still stripping. I mean, I was, I was a sex worker. I was a, I was a dancer that would go to the club and find guys and I would pull them out and have sex with them and I would get paid for it. 
Wow. And for a very long time, I didn't even have guilt around it. Like I was so stuck in that survival mode. Like I, what we call in values levels, I was acting as if, and I was behaving as a values level three, which is all about survival. It's all about taking, it's all about, you know, getting what you can in the moment. You don't really even have a future. And then once I like, once I had that near death experience so many times over and over of being so drugged out, not knowing where I was, finding myself in ditches, like just crazy ass shit and the abusive relationship, it jarred me so bad that neurologically what happened is I had a shift of consciousness of like, holy shit, if you don't change, you're going to be dead. And so for the very first time I started feeling, and as we talk about this, a transition to values level four, I started feeling guilt and I started to think like, there has to be something more to this life. Like you start looking outside of yourself. There has to be a reason for why I'm going through this. Like there has to be something bigger than this existence. Yeah. Wow. So that's what, and then I didn't like the practitioner was just another layer of just awakening and letting go and releasing. And, um, still though, I was in a relationship that he, he was the best version of the guy that I ever, like, he was like a stepping stone. Like he wasn't as bad as some of the guys, but very, he was a sex addict. Um, and I was one of those people that didn't speak up in relationship. And so I was constantly putting myself in trauma in that relationship and wanting to get out of it. But I still didn't believe that I could leave because I had all these different paradigms. So it took me a while to, um, reconfigure, you know, what did I, what I actually wanted and even actually give myself permission to even give myself permission in the state of like, you are worth more, um, to then start taking the steps, uh, which for me was committing to the mastery level. I knew that my answers were in that training. I just didn't know what they were. <laughs> in Master Pack? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a year time difference? Yeah. It sounds like a really like a big, huge, like a huge transformation and expansion in that year for you to be like going from where you were to having all of this new information. Yeah. What was that like for you? Um, after the after the practitioner training, and I apologize for I'm kind of jumping around. Mm-hmm. After the practitioner training, um, I remember taking a sabbatical from dancing, and I didn't answer the phone to any of the sugar daddies that I had. And I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna." I hope I can cuss in this. <laughs> I'm like, I just need to heal and figure it out. So I remember, you know, watching all these YouTube videos, going down all these crazy rabbit holes, the spirituality. Um, and I did a couple ayahuasca journeys for the very first time. Um, just reconfiguring for me, like the ayahuasca for, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as, uh, potent or powerful as the work of NLP and timeline therapy, but it like, it gave me the reassurance. Like the big thing that I learned from ayahuasca is that I was already healed. Mm, My body. Yeah. Because like I had all this sadness and I had all this sorrow around all the drugs that I'd taken. Um, and I thought I had damaged myself for good because of all the stuff that I'd done to myself. And so like she guided me, I think really to forgive and then know that my body was okay. And so during this time, I was, you know, trying to sift through and figure out what it is that I wanted to do because I knew with integrity that the lifestyle that I was living, the way that I made money 
wasn't supporting the new person that I was mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it. And I didn't want to use anymore because after the prac training, I stopped using all the drugs. Um, and so what happened is I ran out of money and, um, I, I gained a whole bunch of weight. I still had a lot of, uh, limiting beliefs around my body image and stuff like that. And so what I did is I took a couple of steps backwards to get a couple of steps forward. So Mm -hmm. I went back on the Adderall to lose weight again and started drinking again to go to the club to make the money. But in my mind with intention, I knew that my answers were going to get solved at the master practitioner training. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It sounds like quite the freaking journey. I love how you said that like ayahuasca gave you these powerful insights, but it wasn't as powerful as NLP and time timeline therapy in your opinion. And I think that like these tools are awesome to be able to, anyone could do it. Like I always, when I talk about plant medicine, I'm like, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been life-changing. I'm very passionate about it. And like, it's not for everyone, number one. And number two, it's really important to have tools that you can use on a day-to-day basis that like help you stay in your truth and shift your beliefs and embody that new reality. Yeah, it was, it's exactly what I needed at the right time. Mm -hmm. You know, like I I, I say for people, if you feel the calling, um, absolutely do it. And it's what I needed. It was also community for me. It was a a whole new branch of humans that were completely separate from some of them were dancers, but it was a completely different community. Um, It also connected me to a different type of source because I'm, I was coming off of letting go of um, past trauma around religion. Mm-hmm. And so it was a new way of me connecting to source. And it was extremely helpful though. I, I, I believe if you are going to do it, you must do the work around it. So meaning taking action of integration and also do the work before it. I had done like a completely new up level in my entire existence um, before I went into it. I could not even imagine how challenging that journey could have been if I had done it just by itself. That's just my personal opinion. I'm I'm totally with you. I agree. I always say like you need to at least be doing the work on yourself yeah. before you even go into that because it can bring up a lot of stuff if you're not already like, you know. It was extremely challenging anyways to navigate it even even after <laughs> all of this stuff that I've been doing. So wow. um, yeah, it was it was definitely really powerful though. And so then after, after I met Brandon and masters, that's when I got out of Vegas and I went to, um, Fresno, California. I moved to, um, not the most desirable place, but it was the perfect place for me to really truly heal. And that's where I, I believe like all that other stuff that, that was, that was the effect that got me into NLP, but I'm most proud of the work that I've done since um, meeting Brandon and moving to California, and then also here in Austin, of mm-hmm. just that's where that's where I went up against my biggest limits and my limiting beliefs, and I really grew up and became a woman because wow. pretty much all my life I was this little girl acting out in a, a woman's body, manipulating, taking what I wanted, getting people to feel sorry for me, playing stupid. When I was very highly intelligent, I just didn't, you know, I didn't. In a lot of ways, I, I knew that it was smart, but I knew that it was easier to get people to feel sorry for me to do what I wanted. 
And so that was my game. And so when I met him for the very first time, all my old shit and all my little tricks and all my little strategies of getting Mm -hmm. people to feel sorry for and being that victim consciousness didn't work. And I fucking hated him for it in the beginning. Wow. And that's where I started growing up. And I said, yes, I can read. Yes, I can write. Yes, I am good enough. I can figure this out. Every Like what Marie Folio says, everything is figureoutable. So yeah. little by little, I held myself accountable. I got discipline in my life. I started to act as a normal human being. And I broke through one fear after another. And as I was doing that process, my, my seed of worthiness was growing into this beautiful grounded tree. Wow. That before there was nothing there. And so it was this void. And so can you rewind just a tiny bit? You said before, when you got rid of the fear, then your worthiness grew. How did you phrase that? Yeah. I mean, every time that I would courageously break through fear, I mean, and I was like, there was times, like I was working for his real estate company and I was customer service and I was afraid of the telephone. I was afraid of humans. I was afraid of looking people in the eye. Like Mm -hmm. I literally shut down and have an anxiety attack. And this is all shit in my head. Everybody thought I was completely fine. They're like, what the fuck is her problem? But to me, I thought that it was, it was like life or death. Wow. Because I had never had an interaction with a human being without being on a substance. And if I had in the past, I was running or like, you know, dar- dodging. So every time I would get on the phone, I would anchor myself, use the tools of NLP. I would do timeline therapy beforehand. I would set a goal and I would do the anxiety model simultaneously doing it back to back to back. And then I would go and do a task and take action and neurologically rewire a new behavior. And then afterwards, even if it went well or not, then I would go back and rewind it and learn what I could learn from the experience. Wow. And so that's the definition of me, like from my humble point of view is literally creating a new identity Mm -hmm. because I would peel back the layers of the old self, let it go and then real time take action and then learn from it and get the wisdom as I went and then set more goals, took more action, peel back the layers, let go of the shit, and then stepped into the new person over and over and over again. And I did that with pretty much every limiting belief that I could think of. Wow. And I've consistently done that since then. Anytime I feel fear, I lean into it. I'm like, where the fuck is this coming from? Mm-hmm. You know, is this like, is this uh, something that like, I'm feeling because maybe I need to lean in? Is this something that I need to learn from? Like, where is it coming from to where that I can navigate through and get the wisdom and then immediately take action on it? Whether wow. it be standing back and recalibrating and making a, a powerful high level strategy of implementation, or is it like literally now take action on it and break through it? Wow. That's like a really cool way to look at it. Like setting your goals, dismantling everything and learning the lessons right as you go. Cause then it's like, you're not waiting for anything. You're just doing it and learning as you go too. And, and getting yeah. it into your subconscious. And I learned that from actually a good friend of mine. Her name is Laura and she's another trainer. She was coaching me through all this shit. She's like one of the best salespeople that I know in NLP. <laughs> and I, and I started in the beginning, I would just do all this clearing work. Right. And I'm like, why am I not confident? And I would clear, 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 clear. And I was spending all this time and it was 
unconsciously a distraction from me taking action. Mm-hmm. And so I say confidence comes from implementation. Of course, yeah. you got to clear out the the phobia, the the fears, the paradigms, the the belief systems that you're an anxious person or a fearful fearful person, or you freak out about everything, whatever it is. Um, though the implementation over time will build confidence. Mm-hmm. Because you proved to yourself that you're all right, that you can. And for me, I know that worthiness is not from something you do. Though for me in the beginning, it was me implementing and taking action and the seed of worthiness started to grow. And now I'm to the place where no matter what I do, no matter what my background is, if I just sat around and didn't do shit all day, I know that I'm worthy. Mm -hmm. But it took me a while to actually believe that through inspired action. Wow. That's For really me, powerful. Personally. Yeah. Cause I've, you know, I feel like a lot of people that just comes up over and over and over again, mm-hmm. like the, I'm not worthy and everything, but so go ahead. <laughs> it, it comes up. So these are the, the things that I learned if you want to know. Yeah. So with every up level and it's like a spiral, like, you know, the spiral dynamics of the values levels, it's evolution. Like with every up level, there's going to be a new shadow part of unworthiness. And for me, it showed up as imposter syndrome, which is like, I'm not good enough. The comparison syndrome where we compare outside ourselves and judge ourselves or make ourselves feel better, inflate the ego, right? Or um, to tear other people down unconsciously or use it as a tool to beat ourselves up. The perfectionism, which is seeking control unconsciously. Um, And then just the self-doubt. The self-doubt is the big killer as well. And they show up in each cycle that we do in every evolution, um, but it's a different way of looking at it. It shows up in a different way. And what it, like, how is, like, if for, for people listening, like, if they were to, if they're going through an up level and they're trying to reach a goal and they feel like they're whatever and they feel this stuff coming up, how would they, like, notice it and shift it? Well, it's just, it, the key is self-awareness, like yeah. asking yourself, where is this coming from? It, like, what is the root cause of this? What am I really feeling right now? Um, what action, like what, what strategy, let's break down strategy. Like what am I, what am I doing internally mm-hmm. is in this moment, I'm looking outside of myself saying, Oh my God, I couldn't do that. Like, or is it something where like, it needs to be perfect. Cause I'm, so, Oh, and the other one is people pleasing, oh, yeah. um, I need to be perfect in order to get some sort of external validation to make me feel control and make me feel good enough. Mm. Is it the pattern of, oh, no matter what I do, no matter what success I have, I'm not good enough, whether it be spiritually, mentally, emotionally, or physically, it could show up in body image. It could show up in mental capacity. It could show up in your emotionals. Like a lot of times we judge ourselves internally and feel not good enough because we're over-emotional, not enough emotional in relationships. You know, it can show up in all contexts of life. So it shows up in different. The key is to pay attention what's going on inside and notice those patterns. The external validation check is that the people pleasing. What is under the people pleasing? What are you doing it for? Unconscious love, unconscious attention, mm-hmm. needing the approval, needing somebody else to tell you what to do. All those things. Yeah, it's like about really being aware and dissecting what is coming up, shining a light on the stuff and shifting it. 
Exactly. Having the tools to shift it, like NLP and the time stuff is like, I think timeline therapy is like the most powerful thing. Me too. Yeah. It rewrites your personality. Yeah. Plus the being able to go out into the future and change a probability wave or have access to alternative timelines. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you do time, I'm curious because I heard you mention that in the training of like downloading someone else's timeline or something. Yeah. Can you, do you want to give like a brief overview of time, timeline stuff? And for those listening also, like this is stuff that's taught in NLP practitioner and master prac. And there's also going to be a link for Deb's site if you want to learn more in depth because, you know, she can only cover so much in this. Or you can learn it from you too because you do it as well. Yeah, yeah. But I mean to get certified. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody's unconscious mind. Oh, by the way, all these patterns and stuff are programmed at the unconscious level. What, what I was talking about, perfectionism, people-pleasing, imposter stuff, we're, we're all programmed from the un, at the unconscious level through our environment. And it can also be passed down in our DNA. And it could also be at a soul level, which is your, your soul's essence that gets put into this body. At least that's my point of view. Mm-hmm. So your unconscious mind has a store, uh, uh, organization of your time, of your entire history of your ancestors, the entire history of you being in the womb and this entire lifetime. It also has 50% of people believe in past lives. And so that's why we also give, um, and everybody that have done timeline work can tap into past lives if they're open to it. Mm-hmm. So um, they also have a record of all the times that they've been in this existence in the bodysuit that we have as humans. Also, I've seen people even tap into other worlds of their soul because energy never dies. And Mm -hmm. so if you think about it, we've had this world for how many billion years? We've been on this planet for how many million years? So there's other planets, if you believe in such things, that your energy has probably been in and lived and existed in that environment. So that blueprint is carried with you in your soul. And so you can tap into this through the unconscious timeline and you can go back in the past and unlock belief systems and negative patterns and behaviors and dis-ease of the body that was either an ancestral thing or a soul's contract thing or something that happened that programmed you in the womb that isn't serving you here in the now of what you want to create for yourself as a co-creator. Now, by letting go of it and getting the wisdom from the past, it actually changes who you are in the now. It changes mm-hmm. your physical appearance. It changes your belief systems. It changes your way of projecting this reality. So that's why we talk about in the training that if you do the work inside yourself around a person that's triggering you, a lot of times they will, they won't trigger you anymore, first of all. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they even may disappear because they serve their purpose for you to see that mirror. Yeah. Or maybe they'll even change a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, they can. Their yeah. behavior will change completely. Um, so that's a definition of magic in itself to me. Yeah. And then the other part of it is that we have, it's a, if you want to think of it as a linear thing, so you have your past and your entire, which taps into the Akashic records because mm-hmm. 
all of our generational history, if you think of it as a web of our genealogy, and then on top of that, our past lives, then, oh, that overlaps with all of the collective unconscious that you can tap into, which is the Akashic Records, which is really mm. freaking cool, which you can access information of anybody that you want to channel that is already passed on because that record resides in the unconscious mind. From the timeline, so can, you can get there. Oh yeah, you can regress. So let's say that you had a sage that you have done a lot of research on, that you follow, that you have been learning from their wisdom and they've been passed away for quite some time. You don't want to do it with somebody that's still alive because it's not ecological. Mm -hmm. You can go back on their timeline and ask permission to go down and download information from the, when they were in their greatest superpower, which is- wow. Really cool. That's fascinating. And you can transfer their values, their beliefs, their strategies, like all that NLP terminology mm -hmm. and all of their wisdom to you here in the moment in your physical body. And that's so cool. I'm like obsessed with this stuff too, because it's so quantum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love like... Um, doing the future work too, like putting the goal into the future timeline. And that's been life-changing for me. I know the, you know, when I was going through practitioner training, I, I, um, did it like in the class and it was a game changer. I was like stuck at a certain place and within 30 days, it like, like I made a massive quantum leap, like, like, in my business and my income and my confidence. It was the most, I think it was the most transformative thing that I've done. That's why I'm like freaking obsessed with it. It is. And it's tapping into the morphogenic field. Like we tap into it in the past, but we also tap into the future. So mm -hmm. it's when you go out into the future and install the person that you want to be or the things that you would like to do or co-create, it creates a probability wave. That's why in the, the languaging, we're like, look out, everything reevaluates themselves all the way back to now and shifting and moving to accommodate space for this new, you know, this new goal that you want to create for yourself. And it literally is doing the universal cause and effect on both ends. You can do the universal cause and effect that will create change here in the now. And then it also taps into the reticular activating system of the unconscious mind to where then when you go and take inspired action, not only have you already created it and you're coming back and you're priming the body for the new self and you already are the new self. At the same time, your unconscious mind is seeking out scenarios. So your unconscious mind in, um, in nature is water and it's magnetic. So it will attract everything to create exactly what you want. It's the secret law of attraction in my mind um, mm. to create this future version of yourself as you're taking inspired action. So by you're saying by doing the future timeline stuff, you basically become magnetic. Yeah. You're becoming magnetic. Um, you're also in the quantum, it's already done. Mm-hmm. And you're priming your body because when you, when the way that we visualize it um, and the way the process that we do it, you're priming, you're firing and wiring the mirror neurons of your body already creating that future self. Like it's priming the body to behave that way here in the now. Yeah. Your body doesn't know the difference. Your unconscious mind doesn't know the difference between future, past, or now. Yeah. So it already knows it's happened paradoxically, is going to then search for it to happen. <laughs> yeah. Like, because it hasn't technically happened yet in the physical. Yes. Though That's your so cool. Mind already believes it's done. That's so cool. Yeah. What, 
did you do, I mean, well, I mean, I mean, that's a silly question. Did you do a lot of, like when you were making your quantum leaps from Masterpack and meeting Brandon and like doing everything that you're doing now, I'm sure you've done a lot of this. Oh my gosh. Everything. I look back at all the things, even, even in my first practitioner journal. And even we used to do a two day events, which is called the secret of creating your future. That was the first thing, which is all about the timeline. Um, everything that I wrote down in there, I created. Wow. A lot of them were away from goals. The first one was getting off drugs and changing my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, so that happened immediately. And then in practitioner, I set a goal to meet the guy of my dreams. And I did that a year later. Um, and then after that, like I set a goal to uh, live. I always wanted to live in Texas. So we did that. Um, all of the little ones of me transforming and becoming confident. I set goals every single day to act and behave the new me. But I also had these huge, big, juicy goals that were presupposing all my success. Mm. Um, I set a goal to attract um, a lot in uh, Utah and we attracted it like that. Um, relationships. I set goals every single day. I'm going to create relationships that I'm going to benefit from as well as inspire and lift and co-create together. I've created thousands of relationships that way. Um, We set goals with all of our trainings. Um, There's just, in in some of the stuff, it's really paying attention to what you create because whenever you have it, you can literally drop goals like this and all of a sudden stuff will just show up in your reality and you're like, oh my gosh, I created that. I created that. I got that. I got that. It's your life is your catalog. Yeah. So freaking true. So when you met Brandon and you guys started coming together through Masterpack and all the stuff you're doing, did you did you know like right away that you guys would like create what you're doing now and build your empire, teaching all of this stuff? Like, did you know immediately, like, this is my, like, once you got into it, like, this is what I want to be doing in teaching. So I had a vision in Master Prac um, that I was standing on stage. It was by myself though, um, in front of a group of women. And at the time I was afraid of one-on-one people, let alone a group. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) That was so scary. Though I knew that immediately that's when I enrolled in the trainer's training because trainer's training wow. was the next up level. I purely took it to become confident, just wow. confident of speaking. Um, I had a lot of blockage in my throat chakra. It was challenging for me to communicate when I was on one-on-one conversations as well on stage, I would stutter. And so that was the next up level. Um, at the time, my belief systems weren't Uh, caught up with my vision. And so there was a lot of work to be done around that. I knew intuitively that I wanted to be teaching, but I didn't know what to to what capacity. And when we first met, Brandon was still highly involved in real estate. Um, He said, I want to build an empire with you together. I didn't know what that looked like. Um, Internally though, my soul was like, I'm going to pull you on stage with me. (laughs) I'm going to do exactly what my trainers are doing. Um, He just didn't know it yet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so like there was an intuitive part of it, but there was also, um, there was a lot of doubts around it too. And I think that's important for people to know, like when you're up leveling, you'll have doubts and each yeah. up level, you're going to have doubts because that isn't you yet. 
And so all of your unconscious patterns are going to get projected out onto that new future you. And that's why having these new strategies of timeline therapy and the anchoring and stuff like that is really, really helpful because then you can hear them come like into your mind immediately or the pictures, sounds, feelings, taste, smell, self-talk. You can pay attention to that and immediately you can reframe it and get back on track. Mm-hmm. And know that that's just a sign instead of like, I used to think, oh gosh, this is a bad thing. Why am I still having self-doubt? You know, I've done all this work. Why is this stuff still coming up? It's like the same pattern. Now I just know it's the process of growth in your body. Your unconscious mind's trying to keep you safe. Yeah. You're about to expand. And so there's a little freak out that goes on. And so whenever I hear that stuff come up, I'm like, yes, it means that like, I'm going to have this huge quantum leap. Yeah. Yeah. And project better things into your future instead of projecting the past shit in there. Yeah. Because so many people are operating from the past, what happened in the past, you know? Yeah. The timeline gives you freedom of that. Yeah. I was talking to this beautiful woman the other day and she was talking about like how her, and we're free from this, her past is regret and the future is worry. And now is all you got. I'm like, gosh, I'm like wow. the past is wisdom. The future is exciting. And now is fucking a gift. Yeah. But with time that, but that paradigm thinking, like I know how that feels because that was the old self. Of fear and worry. Fear and worry, fear, yeah. regret, sadness from the past, guilt, shame of the mm-hmm. past. Versus like, hell yeah, I love my past. I, yeah. I am so grateful for it. And the future is so exciting. And what we have in the now is great too. Like it's important that when we are in personal growth and development, not to spend all of our time in the future and enjoy the day-to-day, the juicy moments, like you and I having this conversation now. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is unbelievably transformational and wonderful. And if I was to pass on to the next level, I would feel complete. Yeah. It's a beautiful reframe. (laughs) So good. Can you go into values levels a little bit? Sure. Drop what you want to know. Um, Because you mentioned it a few times while you were telling your story. Like, you know, I was a values level three and I was a values level four. Um, If you can just kind of break it down like a summary of like the different, what the different values levels are for those listening and like how they know, like when they're shifting into a new level. Yeah. Is that something that you can break down briefly? I can tell the, I can tell the, how much time do we have? We have time. (laughs) Okay. So the values levels are patterns of how we act and behave in our thinking. And it ties into our belief systems that um, are conducive to this environment in which we live. And it's literally the evolution of consciousness. And Mm -hmm. consciousness means awareness, essentially. Um, And we have all different values levels that are going on simultaneously inside the individual. And this is pretty much universal from, in, in this world, there are these specific patterns or archetypal patterns of how people evolve through evolution of their, what's important to them essentially. And so what is cool is that it's kind of like when you understand these archetypal patterns of how humans think and behave according to their environment, 
Um, it's having first and foremost a roadmap to your own evolution. Um, it gives you a window of what to clear out for you to step into the next up level. And if you are working with people, which all of us are in this world, mm -hmm. then having a deeper level of compassion for people of where they're at instead of not understanding and judging their behavior. Because people are not mm -hmm. their behavior. They are so much more than that, though their behavior tends to create a lot of chaos in our world. And once you understand that, you have a deeper level of compassion and understanding. And you also know how to coach people if they're asking for it within their behavior. So values level one is the primitive human before consciousness. And it's essentially the the human being individual. So they, they have masculine and feminine energy for each one. So one is individual, three is individual, um, five is individual, seven is individual. Um, and then two, four, six are uh, a collective. Mm -hmm. And so we go paradoxically back and forth through each values. So one is individual. It's the primal instinct. It doesn't have very much con consciousness. It's just pretty much like an animal, food, fighting, shelter, and having sex mm -hmm. and appropriation. So at one point in time, human beings were values level one. And you'll see this as a child, like a child, a baby is a values level one because there really isn't anything but the individual and all they, all they need is the survival. Mm -hmm. And then as we evolved as humans, the environment created a scenario to where we had to pack together to create a clan for safetyness of the ex external world, which was values level two. Two is born. The modern two is a family unit. Mm. The uh, mafia is a values level two. The uh, tribe in the Amazon is values level two that has a values level three chief, somebody that's uh, you know looking over the, the collective. And values level two, you don't have a voice. It is what it is. It's all about tradition. It's magic. It's um, like the Huna is values level two. Um, the 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 tribes, the shaman shamanistic tribes in uh, that do the ayahuasca is values level two. It's all about tradition, but it's not mm -hmm. understanding really the science of what this stuff is because they don't have capacity of thinking yet. Everything when you are values level two, you do your part and you are part of the collective. You don't have any individual say. Mm -hmm. So what happens is a teenager is in the family unit and they do everything. It's one entity, the family unit, and there's a hierarchy of a parent that is directing the entire clan essentially. And then they start rebelling. They're like, Ooh, I am the not me. I am not my family. I'm an individual. Same thing goes for tribe. Let's say the chief said, oh, by the way, you're the human sacrifice today. One values level two may say, okay, I'll sacrifice myself for the good of the tribe. And then mm -hmm. some other values level two is like, screw that. I'm going to go do my own thing. And so they leave the tribe. Mm -hmm. And that goes into values level three. So whenever you leave the family, this is the black sheep phenomenon. Oh, that makes sense. Yes, the rebellious teenager phenomenon. Mm. And so they go out and they're and we call it now the street jungle, right? And they're all about me. There is nothing outside of me. There is no rules outside of me because they're pushing everything away that was before. And they are an individual. And a true values level three neurologically doesn't have the capacity for guilt yet. It's all mm. shame. 
It is all rage. Everything is survival of the fittest. It's a doggy dog world. We hear it in this, um, we hear the reiteration, crushing it, killing it. That's very values level three, conquering everything. And so um, values level two is the new reiteration of tribe. We see this new iteration, find your tribe, find your tribe. That's a values level two concept in a modern day. And values level three is like, I'm an individual. You will see a values level three running a tribe though, because they're the leader of the tribe, but Mm. they are an individual and the tribe is an entity as a whole. And so when I was acting like a three, I rebelled everything against my, I grew up very values level four, by the way, is very structured. You're obedient. Um, You know, it's the government's one right way. I rejected all of that and turned right into values level three and became an individual. I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to do things my own way. I'm not going to listen. The values level three does everything to not get caught. Mm. And that's why in our society, you see a lot of um, criminals acting and behaving and neurologically in values level three until they get caught and put in prison. (laughs) Or the government gets a hold of them. Or in the military, they go to the military. A lot of values level three boys, they are rebellious and they're like going against school and stuff like that. And they end up getting put into a military school or they get put into the military, which is values level four structure. Mm. So values level four is all about the government, there's a higher authority. There's a book that tells you all the rules and you follow it. You are looking for, you are like looking religion. for, yes, all religion, all ism is values level four. And the, a good, a good, a good person values level four doing the right thing values level four. They're looking to a higher authority to tell them what to do. Mm. A three doesn't give a shit. They're like, I'm going to do my own thing. Don't tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? Kind of thing. Values level four is looking for somebody to tell them what to do. Mm. Because the values level three almost gets killed or like me, I almost killed myself for the very first time. I'm like, there has to be something more than this. And so I started looking for spirituality, which was a six inside of four. Okay. Yeah. So, so the three almost gets killed. And so they start to look for meaning. A lot of them find religion. That's why you see a lot of uh, criminals going to jail and then they find Christianity and they become the mm. good citizen is values level four. And then they turn their life around. And for the very first time, boom, they have the capacity for guilt. Before that, they don't. And so the transition into four neurologically, they actually, their chemistry changes Um, Their testosterone is lowered. They're actually not as physically attractive, which is interesting. Values level threes are the most attractive of all. They're the most charismatic. They're the most chameleon. And I would say, and I'm not saying that this is true, um, they have been a lot of the authoritarian leaders that people get behind, they flock to because they're magnetic, they're sexual energy, but it's not necessarily sexual. It's this unconscious magnetic attraction. Hmm. Um, that people will get behind them. And then when they change into values level four, they lose that attraction and they, and they, um, they, their neurological capacity is a little different. It's more uh, sacrificial and it's not as aggressive because it's more surrendering. Mm-hmm. And then values level four is all about sacrificing yourself for doing the right thing, sacrificing now what you want in the now 
to have salvation later, to have nirvana later, to have the money later, like uh, the whole financial system of putting money away to have your social security retirement is values level four at its best. Four at its best. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's sacrificing your needs and wants. By the way, it's not okay in a lot of values level four to even want anything because then that's considered too much gluttonous because you're coming off of three. Everything is about glutton and like the the seven deadly sins or whatever is is values level three. So now they're like constriction. Like we're going to be good. We're going to be proper. We don't have any feelings. We're not allowed to desire anything because that's the wrong thing to do. (laughs) And then religion, of course, on top of that. And so that happens for so long. They sacrifice, 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 and then they never get anything. And then eventually... If the transition happens, they either have some sort of external event, which is getting laid off from their job that they were guaranteed a pension or um, some sort of significant emotional event. Sometimes it's called, you know, dis-ease. There's a lot of dis-ease in Values Level 4 because there's so much repressed emotion and there's so much incongruency because there's so much desire in a human being to create, but Values Mm -hmm. Level 4 is not the container for creation because you are not allowed to create, you're told what to do. And it's very structured internally into a box. Anything outside of that is heresy. Wow. And so eventually the person will have a significant emotional event that happens that carries them into five, which five is all about the individual. It's all about conscious mind. It's all about materialism. It's all about profit. And it's all about enjoying in the now with your own capacity. Yeah. And then the switch happens again for six, which is the quantum spirituality. And seven is first the integration of the two minds. Wow. And so this is like, you know, as people go through their journey and expand their consciousness, the basically like the phases that they go through, but they can intermingle in different ones. Yes. Or switch back and forth or whatever. It could be contextual. So I would, I would go and don't quote me. This is my own personal theory. I think before we had technology, people were more linear in their trans transition because they didn't have access to all of the other values levels because mm. there wasn't the capacity to get programmed through social media, um, television programming. We didn't have access to information. By having information, the information era already installs higher values levels in lower values level thinkers. It wow. installs the aspiration factor um, at the unconscious level. So I think it speeds it up and it also can install in different contexts of life. And wow. so right now, what you're seeing is people that have values level three when they are maybe in a relationship, but then their values level two in their family life two, four, and then maybe they're four in a career. And then they um, maybe are opening into five, which creates lots of incongruency and creates a lot of um, incongruency, but also havoc because you don't know what archetype you're projecting and you're never really certain in anything. If that wow. makes sense. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Like I love how you break it down and like give the examples Yeah. And each one, you're more right or left brain because you're more expressive and active. Like one, three, and five, and seven is more active. And then uh, two, four, and six is more passive. 
Mm-hmm. And so each time, like the spiral, like saying up each up level, um, and each time the integration happens more, there's more awareness, there's more neurological capacity, and there's more flexibility in behavior. Mm. So how would uh, someone determine like what level that they're at? Um, well, you can come to my master practitioner and take the test. <laughs> um, there's keywords and um, there's key belief systems that are uh, that are prevalent in each one. So, like what's important to you, and there's key values that are important that for each values level. So that, that's a way that you can look at it. Very um, cool. Yeah, and it really. Uh, and is the goal to just continue going up the ladder? <laughs> I mean, it depends on what the goal is. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I want to become um, m- more evolved at each level just for my own level of self-awareness and flexibility yeah. and behavior and to be able to come up with more um, complex ways of thinking to solve more problems. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think it's a fun game. I think your unconscious mind, um, one of the prime directives that we talk about in the timeline therapy is that it's continually seeking more and more. And I think this is the the way of expressing it in a, a system. Mm-hmm. And again, the system of values level is a system in itself. So it is flawed. Oh, wow. Yes. There's a flaw. I mean, there is a flaw to every system. There is no perfect system. Yeah. That's cool that you even noticed that. (laughs) So what are your plans going forward with everything that you've been doing with the trainings? And I know you have some bigger plans charity-wise too. Yes. So one of the the things for uh, values level seven, and this is not why we're doing it, and it's interesting that it became on the radar. And I'm not saying that I'm a seven at all because... There probably are very little values level seven that are fully embodied in um, you the the world because the environment as of yet doesn't support that type of thinking. Mm. Uh, but one of the one of the things is doing stuff on a global scale, um, making a difference in the earth, like on on the earth impact, but also on the humanity on humanity as a whole. I'm thinking of humanity as a whole unit. Uh, collective consciousness that we're all working together and we're all brothers and sisters, which is technically values level three or eight. Um, Well, so we got introduced to uh, the children's shelter in Nairobi, Kenya, and um, we are doing all kinds of fun stuff with the shelter. We've been donating money. The cool thing that's most fascinating about that, and Leah Clark and Alexander was our mentor in that aspect. Uh, She's been working with the shelter for over two years. Um, and she has gotten the, gotten the shelter to almost sustainable, um, through different projects. And the shelter is, uh, for children of all ages up into high school and college, um, that have been either sexually abused, uh, female genitalia mutilation is prevalent there, um, as well as, uh, sex trafficking or just abandoned in general. Um, so these children are coming from, all different reasons. And they are finding a beautiful place to live, to grow, to get educated, to find a really powerful Christianity there. Um, I love the way that they have the church set up because there's women that are actually preaching. And um, it's very, 
uh, empowering spirit-based Christianity mm-hmm. where they're telling the, stu- the, the children that they are God inside of their own bodies and that they can create anything. Um, and so they have a really nurturing environment where everybody works together um, and they're actually part of the sustainability. So they do the garden project. There's an organic garden farm that they feed all the children with. Um, they also have uh, some people that are coming in and managing the beehives. We have about 80 beehives that are creating honey that they can sell back to the tribes around the area that also brings in revenue for the, the school and the foundation. Um, and they also have a water pump that we helped put in that is producing water that they can sell and they can also use for the kids. So that's amazing. There's all all these different amazing projects that are going on. And hopefully by next year, they're going to be completely sustainable to where they can food, health, clothes, educate kids, the kids all the way to high school and pay for their college education. That's freaking phenomenal. Yeah. It's amazing that like you've been doing like doing this and like following your vision with that too. And to see, like, it must be really awesome for yourself to also to like look and see like how much you've been building and helping people and, and contributing and to have this next phase of helping people there is just so impactful and beautiful. It's something that I've always, again, uh, we put it in our unconscious timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember watching the movie uh, Blood Diamond back in, I think it was like 15 years ago. And I remember just watching that movie and I'm like, I need to get out of this United States, just like a level of gratitude. And at that time, I really didn't have the capacity to really understand. But I remember feeling such a calling to go to Africa and help in some way, shape or form. Um, And if you ever have had the calling to do that, uh, I highly recommend it. And we are recruiting for people that want to get involved. Um, There's a whole... uh, Thing where we go and we have fun and we also visit to shelter and we also do a safari and some other really cool things. Um, but I always, I knew that Africa is like one of those places where I wanted to get involved and truly help. Um, and at the same time, just also for my own uh, consciousness, because when you go there, you feel a deeper connection to who you are as a person. It's very wow. strange. I hear amazing things from people I know who've been to Africa. They all say like that it's one of the most life-changing moments, experiences they've had. I yeah. Yet. The people there are so incredible and so beautiful and so uh, just such wonderful humans. And the the level of gratitude that you're going to get when you go there and the connection, it's, there's something so unique about the continent itself to me is, is so incredibly transformational. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we're involved in. So we've been donating whenever we have a, a training or we're doing speaking spots, we donate a, a percentage of what we make into the shelter back into the sustainability project. And this is not, this is the first one we're involved in. So I'm open to other things since I've been talking about, I've been linking up with other people that are doing great work in other places like Rwanda and um, Tanzania. So there's so much work to be done. And there's so much that we can get done with a, a very small amount of money. 
And it's not just about the money, it's also about the time. And one of the things that I would like to do next year is go there and spend three days and teach them timeline therapy. Oh, think how be powerful so that would cool. be. Yeah. For the kids that have trauma. Yeah. And I'm sure you can teach that in such a fun way for kids, you know, with their imagination anyway. That's yeah. awesome. So you said you're recruiting for your next trip there. Is that next year? Is yeah, that for so people? I think it's been in January. I'm not sure yet. Um, so we do a safari again. I think we're going to go see the silverback gorillas um, in Ramada, and then also spend time with the shelter um, and play with the kids and then figure out what um, the money of the ticket is donated. I think it's like 70%. Don't quote me on this. Leah knows much more. <laughs> 70% of the proceeds goes to the shelter to a sustainability project. And so we mastermind together to figure out what is the next best step. Um, and I envision something even bigger than that. It's connecting with this shelter and then some other shelters around the area. I don't know. I mean, this is this the the planting of the the seed of many yeah. other great things to come and community and um, transformation and giving time back too, because it's not just about the money, but it's also spending the time out there and our superpowers and our tools, like whatever we had to offer yeah. is um, figuring out a way to help and serve in that way. That's so cool. I'm excited to see how it expands with everything. Where can people find out more about that or and about anything else? Um, they can reach out to me. Um, I guess the best way would be uh, JaegerTraining.com um, or my Facebook. They can just reach out to me to that. I didn't really think about this. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I didn't. I'll leave the links in the show notes as well because I'm sure people listening they may they may be like, "Wow, I want to be involved in that, or I want to go to that, or I want to check out, you know, this NLP trainings too." So I'll leave that for the sh- in the show notes too. Is there anything else that you want to share? Or any last words that you want to say to wrap it up? I feel like we dove into quite a few little lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Time flew, geez. I know. And I could talk for hours. Uh, (laughs) And thank you for having me on. I I just really deeply appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. You're such an amazing transformational leader and I respect you and love you so much. And the the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible. Oh, thank you. I receive... (laughs) yeah it's been amazing having you on and I love everything you're doing just as equally girl (laughs) like keep shining it's amazing and so inspiring thanks girl (laughs) I guess my last thing is to um everyone is it's the line of you can be do and have anything you put your mind to as long as you take inspired action you got the right tools and you got the right support system those are the three components is that I believe that we can create anything. It's just, you know, figure out like whether reach out to you and get the tools or me or, and then also creating an environment that is supporting and conducive for it. And then it's all about taking inspired action. That's how we create magic and that's how we create our reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is infinite possibilities of what you can create and reinvent or transform or be and have and co-create in this reality. So please, um, if you have something that you have been wanting to do or wanting to be or wanting to create for yourself and you've just been putting it on the back burner, 
take it off the back burner and go get the tools and connect with Stephanie or I, and we can help you and support you making it happen. Because our lives are showing the results of this belief system. There's so Amen much more to that. that we know. Yeah. Amen to that. We are freaking limitless. We are. So, well, thank you so much, Deb. This was so awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. I appreciate you too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes and hit the subscribe button. If you want extra motivation to manifest a life and business that you're obsessed with, then find me on Instagram at the spiritual boss babe or visit spiritualbossbabe.com. I love you and appreciate you so, so much. And I'll see you in the next episode. I hope you have a magical day.